Mount Hope Church's live stream out of my living room. Hi, I'm Pastor Norm Oberlin, uh, lead pastor at The Hope, and today I am going to be speaking to you from my living room. A little bit different for me. Uh, I'm sure I'll get used to it eventually. So I recently taught about how Jesus got away from the crowds so that he could spend time with his heavenly father. And there he was empowered to go out and be able to do the miracles, the healings and the driving out of demons and things like that, that Jesus performed. This week, I wanted to kind of jump off that same theme and share another angle that has to do with our letting God be God. You know, God created you for a purpose. He has a reason for you. For what purpose, you might ask? Well, to begin with, it is to praise him for all the wonderful things that he's done for us. Psalm 99 is a great example of this. It tells us that we should be singing to him songs, new songs, uh, shouting our praises. I love Luke 19.40 where Jesus was coming into the city and the people were all praising him. And the Pharisees said, Jesus, tell him to stop. And he said, and I'll quote, he said, if they don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. If they don't praise me, the very rocks will cry out in their place. All of God's creation was designed to give him praise, even the rocks. Now back to my original question, God designed us to worship him, not just with a song or a shout of praise, but with our all, everything we have, all that's in us. And in order to do that, we have to find our spiritual sweet spot, as I like to call it. We need to get into that place where we take on his likeness. And we do that by going into that, what I like to call a secret place. That place where we allow the Holy Spirit to break us. That's right. I said break us. You see, we all have things in us that, that need to be removed. Or at least worked on. Filed off, if you will. The rough edges. And God is like the potter who takes that lump of clay and he works with it and he, and he shapes it and he reshapes it. And I, I've got a little example of it right here in front of me. I'll try to pull this out so you can kind of see it. But So here we have a lump of clay. And, and God takes that lump of clay and he looks at it and he determines what it's going to look like. And, and listen, when we place ourselves in God's hands, he can take what appears to be nothing and and he can he can turn that into something and any you you saw that so this is also clay but this has been shaped into a figure that my son actually did this when he was 14 but this figure is what came out of a lump of clay in his mind, and his, his imagination, this is what he designed or created. I think it's pretty cool. I've kept it around all these years. Anyway, that's what God does with you and me. And, and the scriptures say in Isaiah 64 and 8, if I can get there, 
It says, yet you, Lord, are our, our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So God shapes us and molds us into that person that he wants us to be. That's what God wants to do with you. That's what he wants to do with me. If we let him. If we let him. And trust me, or more importantly, trust him. When he's done with you, if you let him, you will be a much better version of you than you were before he worked on you. And like the clay that has to be fired or put in a kiln or whatever process it takes, that can be painful. But the pain will only be temporary. And you will be stronger and full of joy and God's glory when he's finished with you. So let God be God in your life. So here's a question to you. Are you willing to place yourself in the hands of the Almighty God? Are you willing to let the potter take hold of you and work off the rough edges, whatever that might look like? If you're not, then you might as well just stop listening to me now. If you think, hey, I'm already there. I don't need any improvements. I've got everything I need. You know, if that's you, then you're wasting your time if you stick around. But I believe if you'll listen to this message and let God be God, that the end version of you is going to be much better than where you first began. All right? Let's pray with me. Would you bow your head? Father, we thank you again for each person that is able to tune in today on live stream on Facebook. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless this message. Lord, anoint it. And I pray you would change us, change our hearts from the inside out. Lord, turn us into those people that you want us to be. People that love you, that want to spend time with you. Lord, that want to look like you when it's all said and done. And we commit this short time into your hands, Lord. Use it to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I want to thank you for being here with us today. Uh, my message is going to primarily focus on Psalm 139. Uh, you've probably already noticed. There's my cat in the background. Uh, just ignore him. You've probably already noticed that uh, I don't have PowerPoints up. So you're going to have to go along with this, this, the Word with your own Bible. So if you have it, grab it. If it's on your phone, hopefully you're not watching this on your phone because that will be hard. But anyway, so turn to Psalm 139. And I just wanted to say while you're turning there, the Psalms are poetic in nature. What does that mean? Well, according to Tremper Longman, poetry consists of sentences that are short and of approximately equal lengths. And it's distinguishable from prose in that it is distanced from everyday language. What does that mean? Well, prose has a close resemblance to the way that you and I would talk normally, all right, with our family, with our friends, with our relatives. Poetry, by contrast, is an artificial language. That's what poetry is. It's, it's not like we would normally talk, okay? The Psalms are also divided into five different parts, and Psalm 139 happens to fall into that latter division. 
the modern Bibles attribute this psalm to David's authorship. So as you turn to Psalm 139 with me, we're going to be begin reading at verse 1. I, just, I also wanted to mention that Psalm 139 has been divided into four different parts. And they're pretty obvious. Uh, verses 1 through 6, it talks about how God knows you. Verses 7 to 12, it talks about how there's nowhere, no place that we can hide from God. Verses 13 to 18 talks about how God created us. And then the final verses talks about uh, our enemies, or in this case, David's enemies. And then the last two verses are kind of pivotal, and we'll talk about those more when we get there. Psalm 139, verse 1 through 6, and this is from the TNIV. God knows you. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. What I want you to see here as we uh, examine these first six verses is, is what's called a merism, all right? This is a figure of speech that uses two extremes to describe one meaning. An example might be when I sit and when I rise. You can see the, the two ends of the spectrum. Or my going out and my lying down. So that, again, two opposite directions. And then you have behind me and before me or in front of me. So uh, these are all merisms. And it's kind of like having a merism sandwich, if you will. In verse 5, it says, God hems the psalmist in. He's behind him and before him, and he's over him, meaning that the Lord has completely surrounded the psalmist. There's no escaping God. That's the whole point here, unless God allows that person to escape. To hem in, in the literal sense, means to search or to, more specifically, to examine one, all right? So the idea here is that we let Dr. Jesus examine us, examine you. Here's the thing. In order for Jesus to examine you, you've got to let him box you in. Now, that can be a little bit scary because you're saying to the Lord, all right, have your way with me. Do what you, do what you must, Lord. Do what you must. I lay myself at your feet. Have your way with me. And this is what's important here. The word used for him has two different meanings. One is to bind up or to secure, and the second is to lay siege to. So what defines the one over the other? The person that's being examined defines what it means. And here's what I'm saying. Uh, it's best explained by Golden Jay, who said this. He said, the person who has nothing to hide has nothing to fear of the Lord's binding or the touch of his hand. So when God grabs hold of you, all right, he isn't going to harm you. He's there to secure you, to make sure that everything is good, that everything is right. Golda J goes on to say, God is indeed 
close enough to bind him up, which is really a form of support, but he can also lay siege to him should doing so be warranted, end quote. So if the person is guiltless, the Lord secures him or her. But if he or she is guilty, the Lord will lay siege to that person. It also means to put into bags, which I, I thought about that, and I thought, you know, this is my paraphrase. I thought, so pretty much when God gets a hold of us, and he's got us, he's in front of us, he's behind us, he's over us, he's got us boxed in, pretty much what that means is that he's going to take all the things that don't belong in us, he's going to bag them up, and he's going to take them out to the curb like you would your own garbage. That's what God does for us. The Lord will do whatever it takes, whatever is necessary, in order to ensure your health and well-being. So as we can see, this exam is multifaceted. Once the Lord searches you or examines you, he then knows you. Now, understand this, he already knew you. God knows everything from beginning to end. He knows all time. He's not bound by time. He knows everything there is to know about you and me. So what's important here is not only that he knows you, but that you know you. You see, you can't do anything until you understand who you are. And I think a lot of people miss this because they don't really want to look at that person and get to know that person that stares back at them in the mirror. I recently heard somebody say this. They said, our worst enemy is that person that we face when we look in the mirror every morning. That's our biggest obstacle in life is the me of me. So God wants you to get to know you, and then he wants you to get to know him. All right, once you understand how you were created, then you can begin to understand who he is, the creator. All right, does that make sense? In the last part of this, and, and this is all about the Lord examining us, is that we get to know ourselves so that we may know him and know him well. So the point of this whole thing is, put yourself under the examination of Jesus. Let him work on you. Let him show you who you are so that you then can get to know him and not just to know him, but know him well. In the Cornerstone Biblical Commentary, it says this, while being known is perhaps our deepest longing, and who doesn't, who doesn't like being known, all right? He says, it is also one of our deepest fears, and, and I would agree with that. After their initial sin, Adam and Eve hid from God because they were afraid. They were afraid that to be known as they were, sins and all, would mean being rejected. As I read that, as I studied this out, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, Norm, there are going to be people listening, tuned into this stream, live stream, this is going to be them. They're afraid that God, if, if they come to him, that God is going to reject them because of their sin, because of whatever they've done in this life. And I believe the Holy Spirit wanted me to say to you, that's a, a lie from the pits of hell. Satan himself is 
the father of all lies. He wants you convinced that you can't come to God. You've gone too far. You've sinned too much. And that's a big, fat lie. Just like he lied to Adam and Eve, he's lying to you right now. And you need to just shun that and realize, listen, if God did John 3, 16 and 17, if that actually happened, which I believe it did, that means God loves you. Because he wouldn't have done it if there was no hope for you. And remember, God knows the beginning from the end. So he already knew what you were going to be like. And yet he still sent his son to die on the cross for you. While we were yet sinners, God died for us. That's beautiful. That's God's love for you. So stop listening to the devil and start living for the Lord. Now listen, sin is real. And sin makes us sick. And that's, I believe, the biggest part of going into that uh, secret place, getting alone with God. When we do that, it allows God to get rid of some of those things that are causing us to sin or some of the things that are sinful. Now, sin is a sickness, all right? And when Jesus first showed up and he began his ministry, he actually said, listen, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. Jesus came for the sinners. He said that to the Pharisees. He wanted them to understand. He wasn't there for the religious people. They didn't need a doctor. The people that needed the doctor were the ones who were sinners, who were still sick. And that's us. That's you and me. Let the great physician have his way with you. Submit to his examination. How? We'll talk about that a little bit more as we get to the end of this message. Psalm 139, the next uh, five verses, 7 through 12. And this is talking about how you can't get away from God. Where can I go? Now, this is a rhetorical question. From your God spirit. Where can I go from your, from, from your spirit? And that's God's spirit. Where can I flee from your presence? You know, God's coming at us from all directions. You can't get away from him. If I go up into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. This tells me God is everywhere. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light is to you. Now in the ancient of days, God was associated with the light, whereas darkness was always connected to chaos and death. Not much has changed if you think about our modern movies. You know, the monsters usually don't come out until it gets dark. But what we can learn here, though, is that even though there's darkness, even though there's chaos and death, that cannot keep us from God's reach, all right? God's not threatened by darkness. God is supreme over all of that, darkness and death, as we well know. In Jeremiah 23, verses 23 and 24, it says, Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them? declares the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. 
So no matter where you are, the Lord is going to be with you. If you're searching for him, then his hand will guide you. If you're not searching, then he will continually draw you until you do. And I'm speaking from experience here. Before I knew the Lord, I lived my life the way I wanted to live it. And I often made bad decisions, bad choices. But I, I kept sensing that God was trying to draw me to him until that day that I finally said yes to Jesus. And in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and this is one of Pastor Barb's favorite verses, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And, and this is what you're doing, in a sense, when you get into that secret place, when you get into your prayer closet, and you say, Lord, examine me. Have your way with me. Do what you need to do. You're, you're allowing God to make your path straight, to show you where to go next. And as I read this, what I see is that the Lord is showing us it doesn't matter if you're searching for him or if you're running the other way from him. He's still with you. You can't hide from the Holy Spirit, and he will not be ignored. No matter where you are, the Lord is there. He wants to help guide you on this journey that you're on called life. He wants to help shape you into his image. He wants you to look like him, like his son Jesus. And if you don't mind, going back to uh, verse 5 that we talked about, if you're on that righteous path, the Lord is going to secure you. But if you're on the rebellious path, the Lord is going to lay siege to you and even wreck you. When I say that, when I use the word wreck, I don't mean destroy. And, and that's, that's a myth that God destroys people. No, but he will, like, like he often does, taking a, a, a piece of clay like this, and he wants to reshape it into something else. What's he do? He, he flattens it, and then he can use it again. He, he makes it moldable again so that he can turn that into the shape he wants it. And that's what he does. That's what he does with you and me. He shapes us into that figure that he wants us to be. If you're running from him today, his hand will correct you. His hand will correct your course. That's what God does when he loves his kids, and he does love us. The Bible says that. Psalm 139 Verses 13 to 18. This is where uh, the psalmist talks about how God created us for his good pleasure. Verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. And, and again, that secret place here is the mother's womb. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. What this says is, is that God knew us, had a picture of us in his mind, even before we were conceived. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. This shows us God has some kind of a book that he keeps track of us. I don't know what it looks like. That's that. Maybe it's like us journaling. I'm not sure. But he knows what you, you're going to look like, who you're going to become, 
And he has a, a picture of that in his head. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Doesn't matter if you're sleeping or not, God's with us. He's with us from the very time that we are even imagined in his mind. Long before we're created. God is with us. We're his. He created us for his good purpose. And if God knew each of us intimately before we were even born, how much more so now that we're alive? There's nothing that he won't do for you or for me. He'll move heaven on our behalf. Heaven on earth on our behalf. If that's what it takes. Then why? If God knows everything and he'll do all of this for us, why would we be so insistent on hiding from him? Ask the Lord today, would you? Just ask him the simple question. Lord, am I hiding from you? Are there things, that compartments in my life that I don't want you to know about? Or yeah, I know you know it, but that I think that I don't want you to get involved with? You see, if that's you, those are the things that you need to let God box you in and work on removing. Those are the things that need to go in the bags so that he can take the garbage out. You still with me? Verses 19 to 24, and this is where it talks about the enemies of the psalmist. If only you, God, would slay the wicked Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Now, if we compare these uh, four verses right here to the New Testament, Jesus told us that we're supposed to love our enemies. Jesus told us we're supposed to pray for our enemies. So it's kind of contradictory to what David is asking of the Lord here. It's, it's impressive that David hates the Lord's enemies. Now, we're to hate to sin, right? We're to hate sin. God hates sin, but not the sinner. All right, that's important to, to keep those two perspectives separate. It's all right to hate the sin, but not to hate the sinner. All right? Now, these last two verses, they form the practical part of this message. This is, that means that this is kind of the action step, if you will. And it says this in verses 23 and 24, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is anything offensive, any. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So as I begin to close, this is where I want you to reflect just for a moment. and Think about your relationship with your king, with God Almighty, with the Holy Spirit. You know, all three of those are the same. They're three in one. Are you guilt-free today? Or are you guilty? Are you guilt-free or are you guilty? 
Guilt-free only comes to those who have given their lives to Jesus, who have repented of their sins and asked him to change them from the inside out. We call it being born again or being twice born. It doesn't mean that you, you become a, a different person. You still look the same, but on the inside, your spirit man has changed. That's a, a work that only the Holy Spirit can do in you. If you need to be changed, I'm going to give you that opportunity here in just a minute. So know this. You cannot run from God. So why bother? And if that's you, my question to you is, are you ready to stop running from him? Are you ready to let Jesus, the great physician, have his way with you? I promise you, just as he did with me many years ago, if you will put yourself in the potter's hands, he will do the miraculous in you. And he will change you from the inside out and you will be a new person. I want to pray with you right now. And I'd ask everybody that's still listening, if you would just, just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I ask you right now to change me from the inside out. Jesus, I believe that you died for me, that you were buried, and that you rose on the third day. And I also believe that you are now seated at the right hand of God. And Lord, you are there praying for me right now. And Lord, I ask you, forgive me of my sins, wash me clean, and make me a new person. And I pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. And I believe if you just prayed that prayer and you meant business with God, that you are going to be a different person. The Bible says your name has now been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that when you die, when you go to heaven, you'll be entered in forever. You'll be there with the Lord because you prepared for that day. Now, for all of us, are you ready to let Dr. Jesus do what only he can do? If you are, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to take these last two verses, all right, verses 23 and 24, and I want you to pray them each morning and ask the Lord to search you. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my thoughts, my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any offensive way in me, and then lead me in the way of ever, your everlasting. In other words, lead me to heaven. I want you to do this each day this week. That I believe by the end of this week, you're going to be a different person. Because you have put yourself in God's hands, and he, he's taken that clay, all right? He's taken that clay. And he's formed you into a, a new image, an image that looks like him. I'm not making that comparison. This, this is just an illustration, all right? But I'm saying you, God wants you to look like him. And if you will allow him to take out the garbage, to bag up all that stuff that doesn't belong in you, you are going to be in a new place by the end of this week. And I, I, I feel like this, it's pretty strong in my spirit that the Lord has been saying to me, even for the last several weeks, there's a reason for this quarantine. It's so that my people will spend time with me. I've been trying to get their attention for a long time, but they're too involved. They're too involved in, in 
these, their, their cell phones, oops, there, yeah, that's uh, my granddaughter. Anyway, they're too busy with all the stuff, the technology, with the sports, with all the things that take, take them away from me, God's saying, he wants this time with you. So while we have it, and I'm including myself in this, while we have this time, let's use it to become that person God wants us to be so that when this is over, we are going to be powerhouses for God. And he's going to use us in the miraculous because we're ready. We're ready. I can't wait to get back together with you guys in person. But for now, let's take this time, spend it with the Lord. He's everywhere. Spend it with the Holy Spirit. Let him speak into you and challenge you to become the person he wants you to be. All right? So Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. You're going to pray that prayer every morning and ask him to do that. Search me. All right? Listen, I love you. I want to thank you for being with me today, and, and I trust that God is growing us up. This is a step, all right? This is a, a process that we're in right now. And this might be one of those that's a little harder, a little harder part of the test. But if we pass it, we are going to see amazing things happen in our lives, in our families, in our church, in the world. Are you ready? Will you put yourself on the examining table and let Dr. Jesus do what he wants to do. All right, I'm going to close in prayer. Father, we thank you again for this word. We pray that you would grow us up this week. As we spend time in that secret place, Lord, I pray right now that each one of us would get to know ourselves better, would get to know you better, and Lord, when it's all said and done, that you would be well pleased, that you would be glorified in and through our lives. We love you, and I commit the people that are listening today into your hands. Bless them, Lord. Keep them safe. Keep the moms uh, from safe from going crazy, uh, having to be cooped up with their kids all day long. And Lord, again, just bless them richly. Bless the dads, maybe that are working, and the ones that aren't, Lord, that, that you'll just help them get through this time of being home with everybody. I just pray this would be a beautiful time for our families. And Lord, that you would grow us all up as only you can. I commit the people of the hope and the visitors that are listening today, I commit them all into your hands. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Listen, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today to the hope, to our live stream message, and uh, I hope to see you again next week. God bless you.